Welcome to 500 Seconds to Joy. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today you are going to hear from Kendra Tierney. She is from Catholic All Year. This really popular blog um, is all about liturgical living and her life as um, a wife and mom of 10 kids. Kendra is so knowledgeable on everything liturgical living. She's written a book, The Catholic All Year Compendium, um, Liturgical Living for Real Life, and she's written other books and different prayer booklets, and um, I used her Lenten Stations of the Cross one. It was really powerful to do on Good Friday, and we talked a few months back, and we're going to talk about Lent in this part one of our episode, Um, and you know, I think this still applies. I know it's not Lent anymore, um, but I think it really still applies how Kendra talks about stripping away attachments and preparing ourselves for the resurrection and um, thinking about what am I attached to? What's keeping me from Jesus? And this time of quarantine, if you're listening in real time, is where we are thinking about our attachments and how can we let go of the world and really cling to Jesus during this time. What Kendra shares is so helpful and inspiring. I know you're going to love hearing from her and I hope you learn a thing or two and enjoy part one of our conversation, friends. Hi, Kendra. Hi. So everybody, I'm so excited to have Kendra Tierney on the podcast today. I know a lot of our our listeners know you already. Um, This mom of 10 has a popular Catholic blog called Catholic All Year. She shares how her family lives liturgically and how she makes Catholicism fun again. So anyway, I'm honored that you're joining me today, Kendra. And um, for those of our listeners who don't know you yet, um, can you briefly introduce yourself and share a little bit about your family and your top five passions? Okay. Well, uh, yeah, my name is Kendra Tierney. Uh, I live in Los Angeles with my husband and our 10 kids. The oldest is a senior in high school. Uh, and the youngest is four months old. Um, we are we live in a fixer upper that we're working on. Um, so I guess that would lead into my, uh, my passions, which mm-hmm. <clears throat> let's see, would be, uh, Babies. I'm a big fan of babies. Uh, they're just they're just so squishy and sque- sweet. Even though they they do uh, really impact productivity on uh, on the housework and book writing and all of the other things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. But I do like a squishy little baby. Uh, liturgical. The liturgical calendar is an unlikely passion, but for whatever reason, that is mine. I feel like when God was putting me together. It's like, you know what I haven't, you know what we haven't put in anybody in the last like hundred years is <laughs> a desperate need to reenact all previous liturgical living celebrations. We're just going to put that all in her. So yeah. All right. So that's two. Uh, oh, baby Yoda. Baby, it can, as a recent one, have you seen the yes. Mandalorian? Okay. Baby Yoda. My kids are it's awesome. like tease me constantly. I gasp when it comes on screen. It's just the cutest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Um, I really like small, detailed, kind of repetitive projects, but that I can do in one go. I, I really mm-hmm. like that. And I don't like uh, 
things that you have to remember to do over and over again, like weekly and monthly. So I big fan of like planting a garden and then can't water it at all. <laughs> I um, understand. So, <laughs> let's see. Was that four? Yeah, that's four. Um, uh, warm weather. How about that? Ooh, I, you know, even in LA, I'm not a fan of the LA winters. It gets down to like 60 degrees. Mm-hmm. Way too cold. Yep. I'm in California. I feel you there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah. awesome. I like your passions. And I particularly love that you said when God was creating you that he put this desire in your heart, this passion to, um, to live out, you know, liturgical living, live out the church calendar in just a really unique way that I've never seen anyone else do. So that's why I wanted to ask you on because, um, you know, as a strong Catholic, you are somebody who's inspired me personally, um, to really think about the liturgical year more. And I know a lot of my listeners um, have been inspired by you as well. And, you know, as your blog Catholic all year might suggest, um, that is your passion, that that's what you've written about your book, the Catholic all year compendium, liturgical living for real life. Um, you just have so many awesome resources for liturgical living. But let's say someone who's listening is completely new to this idea. Um, can you briefly explain what this term means, liturgical living? And then can you also tell us why you think it puts the cool in being Catholic? <laughs> All right. Yeah. So liturgical living, uh, the, the liturgy means, uh, means a celebration of the mass, basically. And the liturgical mm-hmm. calendar is the, is the calendar that the church follows. So on it, you know, just like we have winter and summer and flag day and um, on, on a secular calendar, there are seasons and days um, on the church calendar. And so, you know, currently we are in a season of ordinary time that follows mm-hmm. the Christmas season. Before that was the Advent season. And we're coming up on Lent and then Easter and then another ordinary time. And within those, so those seasons set sort of the rhythm of the church year. And you may have noticed, you know, that there are changes in decorations uh, in Catholic churches. And then within those seasons, there are saints days and other feast days that celebrate important events in the lives of the Holy Family and the early church, Jesus and Mary. Um, and those days fall, you know, on the same day every year, most of them, there are a few movable ones. Uh, and these are ways that the church holds up events and people that they want us to know about. And um, liturgical living really for in the early years of the church was always, you know, based in in the church itself as a sort of community activity where you would mark the feast day of the patron of your church or of your school or the village um, and or other, you know, your guild would be under the patronage of a particular saint. Um, you know, so, so there are patron saints of almost everything and the liturgical year just gives them, gives us a day on which to celebrate those saints 
And, mm-hmm. you know, as it comes around again and again, I've found that it's just a really great way to deepen our understanding of the things that the church teaches. So let's say it's a Feast of the Immaculate Conception. You know, you might be wondering what that means. And here comes the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. So hopefully the priest is going to teach us about that at that mass. But whether he does or not, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to look into it. What does that really mean? And for me, having kids has been such a motivating um, thing for me to, to learn these things and be able to answer their questions. I mean, I feel like I've learned almost everything I know about the Catholic church just because of random pestery questions from the backseat of the car when I'm trying to drive. Like, I I don't know, but Mm -hmm. I will find out, you know? Um, um, so, so liturgical living in the home takes those things and, and sort of brings them home from mass with us. So since, since not all of us are able to make it to daily mass, since not all of us attend a church that's really, um, celebrating feast days, that's, that's sort of going above and beyond the minimum of, of your, you know, um, your holy days of obligation and Sunday mass attendance. Um, so it's a way to sort of bring those celebrations and those observations into the home and really use them to learn about, learn about our faith and these, uh, especially these saints that are held up to us as examples um, of, of how to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, so that's the educational part, but the, the fun part is that there are for thousands of years have been these crazy fun traditions that people all over the world have used to celebrate various feast days. And it has just become um, a, a, a beloved pastime of mine to, you know, find these <laughs> old traditions and sort of dust them off and resurrect them and, or come up with new ones that, that I just find uh you know, some, some sort of silly food pun that, that I think is funny. And, and it just, you know, it creates that, uh, that family culture centered around, uh, around these shared experiences that we do again and again. I love that. I, yeah. And your book has a lot of, um, examples and, um, actually one of my, favorites that just kind of makes me chuckle is the um, devil pinata. Can you just speak about that for one minute? Because I, I, I didn't do it this year, but it is a goal of mine to do it at one point because I just think it's awesome and just shows your really cool sense of humor. Yeah. So that was really one of the first uh, sort of odd liturgical living practices that we started and I love it so much and we have such a good time with it. So it's for the Feast of St. Michael. And mm-hmm. as we know in the Bible, say in the book of Revelation, St. Michael uh defeats the devil by you know the in the war in heaven. And so I know we that we wanted to to observe Michaelmas, which is, you know, if you read old uh, historical fiction books. Oh, that should have been my fifth. Uh, I, I enjoy historical fiction. Um, Ooh, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah. So a lot of these old books reference Michaelmas and I didn't even know what that was. I'd never heard of it. And I started looking into it and there, 
in the Feast of St. Michael, which is actually now the Feast of all the Archangels. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's celebrated on September 29th. And it was really, it was one of the quarter days in England. So it was a day on which, you know, you rent would be due or, you know, things would happen. And, and it was just sort of one of the important feast days of the year. But uh, the thing you're supposed to do is serve goose, but I don't really have a lot of access to goose and my family is not at all interested in mm-hmm. me finding a goose and cooking it. But we came up with this idea of making a devil pinata because in Southern California, pinatas are uh, ubiquitous at parties. But the idea that we would fight like St. Michael, we would use our little wooden swords and fight the devil. And if we vanquish him, we get the sweet reward of heaven. Um, and so, boy, my my son is 17 now. And uh, I mean, he must have been five or six, my oldest, when we started doing this. So, uh, and we've had the same pinata the whole time that's built out of cardboard boxes, spray painted red. Mm. And we tape a new bag of candy to his stomach every time and wail on him with swords again. That's awesome. I could see boys really liking that. Girls too, but I could see boys really getting into the whole sword thing. (laughs) Well, and one great thing about it is uh, it, it, we have moved since then, but in our old house, uh, my, my son's best friends there were evangelical Christians. So they weren't super comfortable with some of our, you know, especially saint based traditions, Mm -hmm. but the war on heaven is absolutely biblical. It's right there. So they, (laughs) they had permission from their parents to come to our, uh, our fighting the devil party. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And I, you know, we kind of touched on this um, right now while we're recording, it's ordinary time, but we have Lent coming up. So I would love to hear from you about um, just, you know, for people who are new to liturgical living, and then maybe people who are already doing some practices in the home, but maybe want to add some things this Lent or switch up what they're doing, just get some inspiration as Lent is upon us. And when this is released, um, it'll either be right before Lent or during Lent. Um, So could you just... um, maybe share some ideas for people who are new at liturgical living, you know, specifically during Lent and then people who are, have maybe been doing this in the home for a few years, Uh, maybe three things for our listeners to um, think about doing this Lent. Yeah. So I think that, that a key part of liturgical living in the home is just that awareness that the liturgical calendar exists at all. Mm-hmm. So the, and for me, I, I know when I had nothing but little kids, I felt like a lot of times I was trapped in, in our house that, you know, we had, we were homeschooling, we'd have homeschool in the morning and we'd have nap time in the afternoon. And it was, and so much of our life was centered around, around our home. And it has made such a difference for us to decorate, not just for Christmas. You know, everybody's uh, used to decorating for Christmas, but we also decorate for Advent. We also decorate for Easter. We also decorate for Lent. And to create that visual reminder as we walk around in our home by just putting out, you know, purple cloth or burlap, or I just went to uh, the hardware store and got the biggest nails I could find. And I'm sure they are not historically accurate for uh, the nails of Jesus's time, but they are big nails and they get you thinking. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we made a crown of thorns out of a prickly bush that we have on our property. Um, and to just put those things out that I know people get so much joy from, from Christmas decorations and seeing, you know, that reminder that, Hey, baby Jesus is born. Um, and, and that in our home has been really helpful for, for all the liturgical seasons. Um, uh, so just having those visual reminders and then, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to take a step forward, like how does your life different in Lent as, as we're preparing? And I feel like that what we want Lent to be is sort of this stripping away of attachments and really preparing ourselves for Jesus's resurrection. So, you know, the, many people are in the habit of giving something up and that is great. But <clears throat> I think it's, it's been really uh, fruitful for me to really focus on what are those things that I'm attached to, even if they're good things that, um, you know, that are keeping me from, from being my best self that, that are, you know, keeping me from, from really having a, a servant's heart and the devotion to Jesus every day. And so we just try to identify what are those things, you know, for me personally, but also in our family life. And, and so we take away even good, things like TV, which can be a great way to spend time as a family and, you know, eating treats, which is a huge part of our liturgical living traditions is to, you know, have desserts that are associated with different feast days. Um, but during Lent, we, we give up those things as a family. Um, and on top of just our, uh, our individual Lenten disciplines, things that we particular little things that we really want to work on. But just to sort of, um, so, so we don't do video games, we don't do TV, um, and we don't do s- treats as a family during Lent, except on Sundays. Um, and that really, you know, y- you might not want to jump right into that, especially if you have all little kids. Um, it took a couple of years of trying and failing at giving up TV when I had had nothing but little kids, because it's a big sacrifice for mom to not have a place to plug your kids down so you can make yes. it. So <laughs> if you don't have anybody to help you with your little kids, then maybe this isn't the year to start that, but know that at least in, in our case, even though it, it took many years to get it going, it was possible. And now it's possible even with our little kids because, uh, because we have big kids to help keep them occupied. And also they're just sort of used to that let will come and we will give up these things again. Um, but just sort of a, a focus on prayer and fasting and almsgiving and those little, those little things that, that have been sort of niggling at you, you know, that, that boy, I should, you know, I know I, I really want to try to do this particular practice in our family, whether it's a rosary or daily mass or something, the, those 40 days of Lent are such a great opportunity to try things and maybe you're going to decide, nope, that doesn't, that doesn't work. This isn't the right time for that for us. But if you've given it, you know, ideally, I, I do ha- on the TV thing, I did have to quit. I, I did quit in the middle. But most things, we're able to really give it a try for those whole 40 days and see, does this make our family a better place to live? Or, you know, is, is this make me a better person? Um, and and the, the 40 days really gives us a chance 
to to try it for a you know set period of time mm-hmm. okay that's it for part one part two is available for you though go take a listen if you have a moment bye for now